This is Reimagining Healthcare, a podcast about innovation in the healthcare industry. It's a show for healthcare business owners, for healthcare professionals, for industry investors, and health tech entrepreneurs. On the show, I talk to health tech and healthcare innovators to uncover how they're reimagining and building a world of seamless digital healthcare experiences and how that fits into people's lives. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos. Today, I'm speaking with Susie Jones, co-founder of Cinch Security. It's a cybersecurity business fitness software designed to build cybersecurity into your healthcare business. Susie shares with us how her journey within insurance and cybersecurity for major corporates has led to developing an innovative subscription model to help healthcare businesses not only access cybersecurity advice and tools and support in a cost-effective way, but also support business owners and teams set goals and track progress in achieving high-quality cybersecurity standards within the healthcare business model. We talk through the key issues healthcare faces in cybersecurity management and why that extends beyond just the IT or software. We go deeper into the cybersecurity tools, and you should know why it's so much more than just managing passwords. We even explore how cybersecurity done well can enhance outcomes in healthcare and support a high quality brand and safeguarding experience for clients and team members. Whilst digital transformation has been happening for some time, the world of digital healthcare and the use of digital tools has become increasingly complex. I would argue that designing digital healthcare interventions or therapeutics or other types of service experiences involving online interactions simply must infuse cybersecurity into every aspect of healthcare systems and culture. Let's jump in. Well, hey there, Susie. Thanks for uh, coming along and uh, taking some time out of your day. How are you doing today? I'm great, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Digital transformation is all happening around us. It's been sort of happening for a while in my life, but uh, definitely a lot of a lot of businesses, and in particular healthcare, rapidly responding to all the lockdowns and uh, providing services remotely and putting systems together and tools. Naturally, cybersecurity becomes a pretty hot topic for that as well. So what's your background? Where have you come from? What brings you to this point? Yeah, so my my background, I started my career working in commercial insurance, actually, and I was an insurance broker for a decade and then expanded out from that to insurance management on a client side and then risk management, commercial management. And throughout uh, my career at Australia Post, which is where I went through that transformation, I found myself working with the cybersecurity team more and more often. Risk management and cyber risk management was such a huge deal for that organisation. Just sort of kept getting sucked in until I worked on a project for six months that was uh, helping small businesses that had had a data breach and how to respond. That's where I really developed my passion for the problem that we solve at Cinch Security and that's also where I met my co-founder. So um, for the last three years, we've been working on trying to solve the problem of how to help a small business that has little time and little budget and uh, little expertise, how to help them secure their business in a way that, that doesn't stop them from actually running their business. For starters, there's just so much tech around the traps and we've got all these different regions around the world that talk uh, about security in slightly different terms. There's kind of, in IT terms, there's kind of general IT security. You get it with the products that you use to some extent, but that's not really the whole picture, is it? So uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Cinch Security and, you know, those, those problems that you've identified for small business? 
Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're spot on that this this year in particular has been really transformative in terms of the, the reliance that all businesses have on technology. And coming from a large corporate background, I know firsthand the budgets that they have available to them, the expertise. I've worked with some of the smartest people I've ever met in those large organisations. They have the resources to solve these problems. But I, I think to the detriment of small businesses, the entire cybersecurity industry focuses at that top end of town. It's it's considered that the, that's where the, the really interesting problems are. But when you look at the 2 million small businesses in Australia alone and the issues that they face, uh, that becomes a really interesting problem to overcome. So within Australia and Cinch, Cinch Security, what we do is we try and break down, well, we do break down all of the, the threats and the, the most likely concerns that a small business should have when it comes to their security, we break that down into a prioritised risk assessed a priority list, basically, and, and build custom tailored automated programs for a small business owner to follow in plain language five minutes at a time. And they can do this on their own, or they can do it collaboratively with other staff or even their outsourced IT providers. So we work within the ecosystem that they have to give them everything that they need. So sometimes they, they might have compliance requirements and particularly within allied health these days, there's more and more expectations around data protection and also availability of services as well. And so we really do give them all of the tools that they need and, and then all they need to do is kind of follow the bouncy ball, gradually improve their cybersecurity bit by bit. It doesn't need to be something that you take out of your life for a month and, and can't do anything else. You can do it really step by step gradually each week. Yeah, so there's quite a bit to unpack there. Uh, you've you've done something really innovative in your approach on how to actually support healthcare businesses with uh, implementing that cybersecurity. And you use this term; it's quite interesting. You call it cyber fitness. Tell us a little bit more about that idea, and then how you've actually developed the customer experience. You know, in the service that you offer. Cyber fitness for us is a, is a way to explain our approach, which is that again, so you don't need to go away and spend a month doing something, you can gradually build up um, your fitness over time. So when you think about your physical fitness, if you're unfit and you think, okay, I need to do something about this, you don't join a gym, smash it out 12 hours a day for a week and then walk away going, okay, I'm fit forever. You know that you need to actually take steps gradually over time. Uh, and so it's exactly the same with your cyber fitness, that you may very well want to go hard at the start and, and sort of really set yourself up for success, but then it's about gradually maintaining that and building your security over time. And so that's why we've built these products on a subscription model so that you've constantly got that support into the future. But if you really want to solve a particular issue at the start, you can do one of our short-term cyber boot camps or, or our short-term programs to get on top of a particular issue. Cybersecurity is one of those things that's kind of out of sight, out of mind. And, you know, the stats are really interesting. It's something like at least 200 days pass between when a business has experienced some kind of cybersecurity issue or some sort of data breach and when they actually become aware of it. Uh, so if you think about that's almost a year ago, uh, something's happened with your security, if it's going to go wrong, that's a lot of time that things can go wrong. You know, data can be taken out, other exploits can be injected into the actual system of your business as well. So I really like that idea of fitness. You have to keep working at it. And it's not a set and forget strategy. It's got to be continuous. I know from our point of view with Core Plus, we have team members who are constantly looking at the latest insights and information that we can have at our disposal on where our vulnerabilities uh, may actually be. And, uh, and we actually employ uh, professional hackers to try and break into our systems as well. 
So we're not doing that just once and never again. This is a continuous uh, thing that we do. And obviously we have a lot of responsibility with thousands of customers around Australia. But bringing it back down to that sort of uh, fitness idea and use another term earlier, you talked about five minutes at a time. What led you to five minutes and not 10 or 15? <laughs> tell me, tell me yeah. more about that. Yeah, spot on. So uh, it came from some of our early customer validation and exploration conversations that we had with small business owners. We were uh, talking to them about what their biggest challenges were when it came to cybersecurity, what was preventing them from doing more. And there there were two big blockers. It wasn't cost, like everybody thinks it is. Uh, It came down to expertise. They just didn't know what it was that they were meant to do. When it comes to knowing what it was that they uh, needed to do, they didn't know how to fit it into their day. And when we spoke to them about okay if you could set aside half an hour a day would that work or half an hour however however often and the feedback was if it had to be half an hour it would be too much and so basically through those conversations we broke down to okay if we could give you something meaningful that you could do in your business to move the needle on your security in five minutes would you do it and they're like yeah of course of course I would do that What's been really interesting is uh, the members that uh, have joined our our membership at at Cinch, when we see how often they log in, each business is a little bit different as to how they they want to do it. Some, you know, log in every Friday morning and are on there for half an hour to an hour. Some log in most days and it really is only five minutes. So at least when you break everything down to five minutes, people can do consecutive actions that are going to take half an hour in total and and really smash it out on a weekly basis. But other people do prefer to just step away from whatever it is that they're working on, get something done when it comes to their security and get that feeling of accomplishment knowing that they're securing their business. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, I think a lot of allied health providers would actually relate to that, just small steps across a continuum get you to the goal. And you've developed a framework, haven't you, for kind of uh, with your preliminary uh, assessments, you're actually able to uh, demonstrate a kind of a ranking or a score. Talk us through that. What What's the uh, health business likely to see when they work with you? Yeah, so uh, each business when they sign up, we take their business domain name and uh, we have a, a scanner that's completely non-invasive to to your business organisation, but um, we automatically look to see what signals we can see from the outside looking in from your business uh, about what technology you use and also what steps have you already taken to secure that technology. And then once you enter into our platform, you get an initial cyber fitness score, which is an indication of what things have you already done to protect your business. For some businesses, that number can start at zero. For some businesses, that can start at a a few hundred. And then as we learn more about the technology you use internally as well, as well as some of the additional steps that you may have already taken to secure that, we award you cyber fitness points along the way. We also give you a cyber risk score. So this is the inherent risk that is in all of the technology that you use as a business owner. So the point is not to lower your risk because the only way to do that uh, when it comes to inherent technology risk is to stop using a technology which is not always an option so our goal is to help you to close the gap between your cyber fitness score and your cyber risk score and we track it over time we log all of the steps that you take so then if you do have a data breach if you do have an incident or even if just a large customer wants to know that they can uh, actually trust you you have a, a list of all the things that you've done that we can then map against compliance standards if that's what you need as well. It's good that you qualified the non-invasiveness at the outset, but I think a good example for people to have in their minds as they're listening to this is if you sort of think about your house, you know, somebody could just visually look at your house and see whether a window's open, right? So they don't have to have actually entered your house in order to realise that. So your systems as a business sort of have from a, from a distance, you can observe potential vulnerabilities. 
And so being able to do those types of scans and do that kind of, you know, best practice approach to actually understanding what the typical things are that are needed to be locked down and, uh, and secure is a really good starting point. So that's kind of looking at it from the outside in. What happens next, Susie? What happens once we actually start moving inside the business? Because that's, that's a particular area of vulnerability as well, isn't it? A lot of people probably wouldn't realise that. Yeah, absolutely. It's I mean, some of the most prolific attacks that are successful against small businesses, um, uh, in particular healthcare businesses, come from technologies that are used internally within the business, um, particularly the likes of emails um, getting flown around all over the place where you might be storing your data, etc. Um, there are vulnerabilities in, in all of those technologies and, and the way that you use them. So um, what we do is we have you complete a couple of really short, sharp what we call a day in the life experiences that tells us more about the technology that you use internally. So we ask you everything from what do you use for social media? What do you use for accounting? Do you use MYOB or zero, et cetera? So we really do cover the spectrum of your business. Once we understand which technologies you're using right across the scope of your business, um, our platform automatically does a cyber risk assessment on each of those technologies. So we have a team of security analysts in the background that are constantly uh, looking for the, the latest threats the latest advice around the security of each of these technologies that are used within small businesses, and then we rank them. So just like with any other risk assessment, we look for the the highest, biggest risk and the lowest risk, and we rank everything uh, for you, and then we automatically produce a tailored program for you. So it breaks, as I said, breaks all the steps down into five minutes, but basically it means you can log into your Cinch platform, you can see what is uh, your biggest concern or what you should be most concerned about from a technology perspective, and then if you have five minutes today what's the most important bang for buck that you could do um, to secure that technology and that risk so as you complete items all of that gets reprioritized and so you always know what is the highest priority item for you to get on top of we're seeing consistently reported that healthcare is the number one uh, industry for data breaches uh, in australia and the two big reasons it's something like 55 45 are cybersecurity related issues and human error what do, you, what do you do to actually support the team make that cultural transformation as well? Yeah, absolutely. So the important thing to think about is when it comes to cybersecurity, your, your solutions aren't just introducing a new tech. It, that may help. So we certainly encourage, uh, for example, the introduction of password managers into a business, which is software to help you uh, help store your passwords so that you can always use unique, strong, different passwords across all of the different technologies. But that only works if your whole team are using password managers and if you're sharing passwords securely, because many allied health businesses would have perhaps different logins for each of their practitioners, but the office staff quite often have one login shared amongst multiple people, which creates really big security risk uh, in the longer term. So we break down all of the actions that we have. Sometimes it's going to be introducing a new technology like a password manager. Sometimes it's going to be, here's some training that you can send to your staff to help them understand the concerns greater and how they should change their behaviour. Sometimes it's going to be, you need to introduce a new policy to your business around you know, perhaps verifying a high-risk transactions So if you receive an email from one of your customers saying, oh, by the way, um, or one of your suppliers saying, by the way, we've changed our bank account, that you actually do call and verify and make sure that that is a legitimate um, change in bank account. It's amazing how often small businesses, businesses in general, are tricked into transferring money to the wrong place, which 
blows my mind a little bit because when you think about how often and what a pain it is to change banks, I don't know many businesses that change banks very often at all, and yet these tricks really do come off because they're playing on people at the heart of the business. So it's about making sure that your team are supported and understand the changes that need to be made, and we try and give the business owners all of the tools that they need to be able to do that within their business. Human beings are an essential part of your line of defence. They're kind of your front line of defence if you think about it in, in that respect. Do you want to talk to us a little bit more about the, the human side of uh, cybersecurity? The people in your business can be your best and your worst friend when it comes to security. So as you mentioned before about the, the number of just errors that lead to data breaches, everybody can make a mistake. And if you haven't put any any gates or, or any sort of stoppers within your business to, to reduce the chances of that occurring, even if it's as simple as accidentally emailing the wrong person, but it happens to be with some quite sensitive health information or medical records, that can be a really big issue for your business. And that's where a lot of the data breaches come from is, is those, those pure errors. But many of those errors can be stopped by just using the technology that you already have in your business and using the security features that are built in to that optimal level. You mentioned earlier on in the podcast around how security is built into many of the technologies these days and that's absolutely correct but what is unfortunately true is that for many of these technologies those security features are not enabled out of the box you need to actually go in and turn them on and to do that you need to understand what they're doing and how that's going to affect the way that you run your business and so this is what we help a business owner to understand in terms of what features can they use that are already built into the technology that they use how to turn them on how that needs to change the processes within their business, how people can use them correctly. Because if you don't teach somebody how to use them correctly, it's likely to affect your productivity, let alone not actually end up introducing the security that is the whole point of turning them on in the first place. It's a real conundrum in designing technology as well. So I take, for example, you know, the two-factor authentication. You're using a physical device in combination with a username and password where all three of those things are known and exist to the person who's authorized. So a really simple example would be, I'm an authorized user, I have a phone, and so when I put my username and password into Core Plus, it sends an SMS to my phone, and then that triangulates essentially that it's absolutely me that's doing it. Now, it's not 100% foolproof. Two-factor authentication is very strong. It's better than just username and password. In time, really sophisticated hackers can find their way around that. And that's where human error can come into it, such as what you described earlier. Somebody could ring up and say, I need to change my phone number, you know, for example, and then direct that, um, that code, that six-digit code to go to another device, and then they gain access to the system. So you still need to have the humans and the security interventions working together. The people side is really interesting. Uh, what I've observed on occasions in, in healthcare is that security is kind of inconvenient Sometimes it's uh, it's kind of like a grudge action, you know, to activate the two-factor authentication or to de-identify data. A little while back, we were de-identifying data that was being shared from Core Plus to Zero, for example, with the view that healthcare information wasn't relevant to reconciling the bank account, you know. And so a bookkeeper who needed to just tick and back tick money received versus uh, unpaid invoices wouldn't really need to know what healthcare services were provided. We, we got some real flack about it, you know, that it was inconvenient that somebody had to feel as though they needed access to that information in order to do the bookkeeping task. And, uh, and so we implemented a toggle that our customers could actually turn de-identification on or off. So the ideal scenario would be to have it on. That would probably rank higher in the cybersecurity score, to, to use your reference. 
the perceived benefit of having that level activated versus the convenience of just knowing what service was provided, who it was provided to. You know, in other words, the debtor meant that the user actually created a lot of pressure to uh, take security down a notch in order to have a much more usable experience. Do you observe that uh, through your customers as well, where there's a resistance from team members? It's something that has always been the case and probably always will be the case where there, there is a perceived opposition of convenience versus security. I guess there's a few things to unpack in that. First of all, I tell you what, it will be an even bigger inconvenience to a, a business and that's going to be dealing with the data breach. Whether or not it adds an extra 5, 10 seconds, even 30 seconds to your day, it is absolutely worthwhile to what is for most businesses one of the worst days of their working lives having a data breach. But secondly, it's a particularly when it comes to, to healthcare and allied health businesses, that the whole purpose of running a healthcare business is to help the lives of others, to improve health, to, you know, they're inherently helpers. That's, that is the entire industry. One of the biggest risks for those people whose data and personal details are lost in a data breach then comes down to identity theft, which can be incredibly damaging on a personal level. So if you think about the inconvenience of introducing something like multi-factor authentication, which is uh, incredibly effective against many attacks, versus the harm that could be caused to your customers and clients if you don't do the right thing and you do lose the data, I think it then becomes a very clear case of, well, obviously, I'm going to do what I need to do to protect the data. There's also many uh, many research studies that have been released in recent times showing how customer and consumer perception is changing over time in terms of how they see how important is it to them to work with businesses that they can trust are going to protect their data. There's studies showing very, very high percentage of people have said that they would not continue to use a business if they learnt that they had lost their data. Yeah, absolutely. I'm um, 100%. I think the longer you're in business, the more you realise that, you know, those short-term gains could really add up and cause you a high degree of not just cost, your brand, your reputation, but then if you have to deal with authorities in the process, you know, you've now lost control of your life because there's a, there's a third party who's intervening in your world to try and figure out what went what went wrong here and what happened. And, you know, healthcare is just one of those sensitive issues. I think it was only a couple of months ago in WA, there was a data breach where uh, the entire list of people who were being tested or suspected of uh, COVID by a 15-year-old was actually um, discovered. You know, they were talking about heads rolling and it was very embarrassing. And, you know, that's kind of part of the challenge. But I really think it's important to emphasize the the human side of it. There's got to be a, 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 co- a coexistence between the security uh, measures that are put in place with technology. And so you have, you know, not just one piece of technology, all the all the technology of themselves, assuming they're reputable and kind of, you know, progressive uh, organisations, are kind of staying in touch with where best practices need to be as far as username, password management, policies, putting in multi-factor authentication as an example. But then you start to have this compounding problem with software online is that you use more than one piece of software. You use multiple pieces of software. So... You don't really want to be using the same username and password for 15 different applications that you're logging into, hence the value of the password manager and why it's important to actually go through that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the tools? What, what is a password manager? How does it add value to people's lives? 
A password manager is actually a really great example of a security tool that helps you be more secure in the way that you log into your systems and use your systems um, that actually improves convenience and speeds up the process as well. I think all of us in the past have had that experience where you go to log into a system that you might only log into once a month or once every couple of months. You go to log in, you go, oh, what is my password? I can't even remember what that is. So then you have to stuff around. You try a few. You might have to hit forget my password, get it emailed, reset it, etc. If you have a password manager, which is a piece of software uh, which is installed on usually both your computer as well as your phone, then all you need to do is be logged into that password manager and it will autofill the username and password into that system for you and off you go. So it means that all you need to remember is the password to get into your password manager and then it can generate unique strong passwords for each and every different piece of software that you use and then store the details for you so that you don't even know. For myself in our business, we we use all sorts of technology and certainly in my personal life, I've, I've been an early adopter of technology for a long time. So I have several hundred different services that I use on various different frequencies. And the only password I know off the top of my head is the one to get into my uh, internet banking and the one to get into my password manager. Everything else is stored within that password manager. I definitely relate to that. Exactly. So this can sometimes then raise further questions or concerns around, well, how do I know that I can trust the password manager? Mm-hmm. And and this is definitely something that um, we've come across many times, that people are concerned about putting all of those passwords into a piece of software that is written by somebody else and managed. And I completely understand that. I can assure people that the research shows that password managers are far more secure than any system or process that you could have in place yourself to create new passwords. Many people try, you know, different processes, like they might have one base password and then they change a couple of letters at the start or a number at the end or anything like that. All of those processes are well known amongst cyber hackers and attackers and you'll be exploited for that. You also need to think about what is the intention of the company that owns and sells the password manager. Uh, If for a password manager to be um, well known and reputable across the world, they are highly motivated to keep your passwords very, very secure and to have, you know, the best encryption, the best um, services in place to keep that keep it that way. Because otherwise they don't have a business. You're not talking about IBM that has, you know, 50,000 different products and this just happens to be one of them. When you're talking about one password, which is the password manager that we recommend, they are a password manager business. That is their business. So they are highly motivated to keep your data and your password secure. And I would trust them over any system that I could introduce myself. That one and uh, and a couple of others use an architecture called privacy by design, which means that the actual password that you're entering into it isn't even visible to them. Uh, so even if they were hacked, uh, for argument's sake, uh, which they, they spend a, t- a tremendous amount of time, money and effort avoiding that, but even if they were, uh, your password's not actually in their servers. That's a really important thing to, to understand about the password manager. What are some other uh, tools in, uh, in the kit bag for uh, Cinch Security? Yeah, so some of the other products that customers may need and so therefore can get through our service. One of them is cyber insurance. So we've spoken a fair bit about uh, the effort and and the trouble it can be to respond to an incident. And we would never say that a business is 100% cyber fit or secure. There's there's always a chance that something could go wrong. And so it's about being prepared and ready to respond. Now, you can do that internally by having an incident response plan that is written that we will help our customers to, to write for their business. But also, if you purchase cyber insurance, you then get access to 
all of the experts that your insurer already has a relationship with that will help you respond accordingly. So that's not just the likes of forensics to actually delve into your computers and find out what went wrong. It's also PR experts, it's lawyers, it's, you know, it's all the people that you might need to be able to handle dealing with the regulators, dealing with your customers, et cetera. Cyber insurance is a really important one that, that we recommend to just about every small business. Another one is uh, email filtering. So when it comes to emails, that is for most businesses, the, the riskiest technology that they will use simply because it is used in every aspect of, of most businesses. Malicious emails entering through that system into your inbox naturally increases the chances that you're accidentally going to click on something that you shouldn't be tricked into it as as millions of people are every year and so if you have a good filtering system included and, and we use MailGuard that can actually stop those emails from hitting your inbox in the first place so there's less chance of that happening so there's some of the things that that we recommend but it all comes down to the the prioritized risk what is the the biggest risk within your business and what is the appropriate solution sometimes Sometimes it's going to be training, sometimes it's going to be a policy, sometimes it'll be a tech or any combination of the, of the all of them. Yeah, and I think that's key. It's, it's having that kind of holistic um, approach to cybersecurity, especially given just how pervasive it is as a risk in every single business today. And increasingly as digital transformation uh, continues to permeate everything, everything that we do. Some other things are, I, I might remark on as well, Susie, uh, you also provide a managed service. So you uh, look at things like uh, the way backups are managed, for example. And I think that's, you know, backups is one of those things that uh, people think uh, that, oh, great, I've exported some data from, from a system. It's backed up. But meanwhile, where did you put it? You know, is it on your desktop, which is not as secure as the environment that you just exported it from? Uh, or did you leave it on a hard drive? And I point to those two examples because they are pretty dominant reasons for human error-related data breaches within the healthcare sector. So tell us a little bit more about cloud backups. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's not just about data breaches. It's also one of the other huge risks that is, has been uh, running rife across all small businesses, but in particular healthcare over the last few years is ransomware. And so this is where uh, malicious code gets into your system. Somehow there's many different ways. It essentially locks up and encrypts all of the data on your systems and literally holds you to ransom. There will be a screen of death that pops up and says, you know, unless you pay us however many Bitcoin, we're going to delete all of your records and and that's it. And there are very few ways for you to be able to actually get the encryption key. Um, Unfortunately, some people pay the ransom, which basically just continues to fund terrorism and and cyber criminals. And also you're then trusting that a criminal is going to do what they said they were going to do, which naturally you can't always uh, always trust. So um, ransomware is a a particular risk where backups is one of the most important um, solutions that you can have in place. So using uh, cloud backups and making sure that the backups uh, run regularly, at least daily, or if it's cloud, usually instantly, means that your your data and your systems uh, can be restored if something like ransomware comes in. The issue, like you mentioned there, if you're storing it on your desktop or something like that, is that if it's stored in the same place where the original copy is stored, then that will also get infected by something like ransomware. So um, making sure that you are storing those copies somewhere else on a different uh, network, a different system, that's really, really important. When you think about the, the risk that ransomware can bring to an allied health business, there was a, I'm going to say a terrific example, but it wasn't terrific. It was, it was quite horrible. 
viral a number yeah. of years ago with WannaCry and Not Petcha, which were two very famous and global, very fast-moving ransomware attacks that happened a number of years ago. And that brought down the national health system within the UK. There was numbers that said something like the first infection was detected at, you know, first thing in the morning, 9am thereabouts. And by 10.30, most hospitals in the UK had to shut down because they did not have systems. They, they couldn't check patient records. They couldn't check blood types, nothing. And so within, you know, Allied Health, that's exactly, that is um, second to data breaches. That is one of the biggest risks because it can really bring your business to your needs very, very, very quickly. Just by having backups, you could protect your business from that risk. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really, really good advice. One of the things I like to think a lot about is, you know, how the technology or, you know, digital health of which cybersecurity is a part of that. How do you see cybersecurity being experienced through the eyes of the healthcare providers' clients? Have you got some examples around that? Uh, so I, I'm just thinking about my own experience this year. So naturally throughout the COVID pandemic, I've noticed that many of the medical professionals that I use in my personal life um, have switched to digital solutions very quickly. And we all know what happened at the start of this year. Many businesses literally overnight had to uh, figure out how to continue running their business and opening their business tomorrow using technology that they'd never used before and, and very quickly implementing this technology. And so from a user experience, I know that um, with my local GP. Uh, previously, I needed to call them up to make an appointment and then all of a sudden I could make appointments online and then all of a sudden I could um, book telehealth appointments online. So for me, I was I was certainly concerned around, okay, what, what was I required? What personal information was required for me to set up an account on those digital solutions? What was uh, required of me in terms of security steps? So was it forcing me to use two-factor authentication when I logged into their booking systems, et cetera? That's how I judge it. So for all systems that are looking for me to provide them with my personal information, if it doesn't have multi-factor authentication, I sit back and think, do I really need to use this service? And so that from a user perspective is the sort of thing that gives me inherent trust in a service because those that do force multi-factor authentication, I, I don't look any further, rightly or wrongly. I'm like, okay, these, these guys get it. I'm going to crack on and use the service. Are you seeing any major trends in, in healthcare at all in this particular area? Yeah, absolutely. This this is another area that businesses have had to really quickly adapt this year. Even if you think about um, GPs writing uh, scripts and then having to send that to a pharmacy directly because you know, they, they actually haven't seen the, uh, the patient in person. Uh, certainly at the start of this year, we were seeing most of that occurring via email, which is, is a really big issue. I wouldn't be surprised if in not too long we'll be hearing about um, breaches that occurred back at the start of this year because that was the, the way that those scripts were, were transmitted. But like you say, there is software like Core Plus and many of the other tools and services that can help you connect to other healthcare practitioners and transmit those details securely. And I, I would highly recommend if you're not aware on how to use those tools, find out, search for assistance so that you can learn how to use those features and then also teach your team and then also encourage those other healthcare practitioners that you work with to do the same. So there is nothing wrong with you insisting on only using particular processes or services to transmit patient data. It's, it, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and in fact, as a, as a patient, I would expect that to be the case. It's just about making sure that you, you can be confident that if there is an error, 
um, you have done everything that you can do to protect that information. And like you say, when there are services and, and software like Core Plus that have this built in and make it easy if you know what you're doing, then it's so important to, to use those uh, features that are made available. Uh, well said, well said, Susie. What do you see the future? What's it look like for you in five to 10 years? In five to 10 years, I hope to see a real step change in cyber culture within businesses. So we've already seen the beginnings of that with COVID-19 changing the reliance on technology and changing perceptions over security and, and risk generally. Over the next five to 10 years, seeing customers becoming more demanding in terms of wanting reassurance that service providers are keeping their information secure. But also I think we'll see uh, some of these friction points and, and questions over convenience versus security dissolve because that's simply just not the argument that needs to be had anymore. I think as more and more people are growing older with technology at their fingertips, more and more people uh, are sort of in society that understand that this is something that they need to think about. Um, I also think we'll see a, a massive improvement in the number of uh, security features within software that is turned on out of the box. I mentioned before about how many of these features are, are not enabled and you need to go hunting for them and turn them on. Um, I think as uh, customer and consumer uh, perceptions change and, and challenge some of those assumptions that are, that are made behind those decisions, I think we'll see more and more of those features just turned on out of the box. And the more that happens, the easier it is for people to change their behaviours and, and adopt things like multi-factor authentication. I remember when that was first released five years ago or thereabouts when I first encountered it, I thought it was a pain in the backside <laughs> and now I get nervous when I'm not using it. So I think we're going to see those sort of changes uh, across particularly consumer-driven changes across the security of services into the future. It's definitely not going to get less of a priority. It's going to be increasingly more of a priority. And, you know, the um, Australian Privacy Commission has already flagged they're doing consultation with industry at the moment. There's, I think, a 21, 22. There's going to be reform, more reform in the way the Australian Privacy Act, the APPs, as well as Australian consumer law. They're actually, um, you know, doing a sort of a amalgamation of key things that uh, consumers need protection for. So there'll be more reform hitting us um, over the next couple of years and COVID-19 has been a bit of an accelerator for that as well. There are already federal government programs. Um, one from the top of my mind that comes up is Right Fit for Risk and that's a, a compliance program that's being applied to consultants and small businesses working within a particular federal government program. So we're going to see more and more of these mandatory standards and compliance requirements and obligations being placed on small businesses. In the past, there was a feeling of we won't apply that to small businesses because we know that they don't have the resources, etc. Whereas now, because of consumer perceptions changing, everybody knows that that's no longer an excuse. Having the ability not only to protect your business, but then demonstrate to somebody external to your business that you are doing the right thing, that's certainly going to be a growing need, particularly within healthcare. That's going to be one of those industries that feel the effects of these sorts of compliance regimes sooner rather than others. Absolutely. All the more reason to develop a alliance with Cinch Security in that context because our conversations flowed really organically. Um, but I, I just want to, just before we finish up, I really want to emphasise that you, you've got a, a very innovative business model in the sense that you're providing a managed service which turns it into a subscription so that customer can actually subscribe to the Cinch Security managed service experience, get access to those analysts, have a nice convenient number in the budget. That's just a recurring payment, so to speak. Tell me more about the managed service. 
Yeah, that's right. So so it, it is software as a service and how we do it is it's really about uh, recognising which features businesses of different sizes need. So as with most subscription um, models, we have three different tiers that you can um, purchase. The first tier is really based on those sole traders or sole practitioners or perhaps partnerships. So you're talking one or two people. And in those relationships, you don't need some of the reporting capability or, or the ability to demonstrate and collaborate internally because usually it's just you or, or one of you that's, uh, that is responsible. So that's our lowest tier. The middle tier is aimed at businesses of around about five people. You might start to need a little bit of reporting. You might actually have a board that you need to be able to report to. So some of that reporting feature is introduced then. And also, of course, the ability to train staff is also introduced in that tier. And then uh, our top tier, which is still very affordable, it's less than $3,000 a year. This provides you with all of the, the, the tracking against particular compliance standards. It provides you with regular phone calls or coach, what we call cyber coaching calls with the members of our team so that you have somebody to ask questions for. You get board and executive reporting. And we've just also introduced benchmarking as well. So they're all the sorts of features that a business of, say, 20 people really need to be able to feel confident that they're getting the most out of their system. The way that we manage that ongoing support, because we don't at any point take over control of, of your systems and computers, you always keep control of your own systems. The way that we support that is to work collaboratively with your outsource IT support provider. So if you already have an MSP uh, or managed service provider on the books, you can invite them into the platform and then they can actually complete actions on your behalf. And so that really enables this tripartite relationship with, we're not looking to replace any of the people that you already know and trust within your business. We're looking to help everybody to work together to improve the security of the business. And that means being able to provide the right people with everything that they need. And it's going to be a little bit different for a sole practitioner than it is for a business of 20 people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think a lot of uh, managed IT uh, support companies out there would appreciate working with a specialist in the cybersecurity realm because it really is a specialised area and it's um, it's very fast paced. There's a lot of changes happening in the, in the space. I would argue it's harder for a, a general IT management sort of company to stay on top of everything. And that would be for the bigger healthcare providers anyway. But I think the for those who don't have a, an IT partner in place, um, to be able to subscribe to one of your plans and be able to get access to guides, to policies and procedure templates, to a fitness plan, that uh, cybersecurity fitness plan that you can iterate on and do at five-minute intervals and um, progress towards your goal. Know that you you know where you started and where you finished up uh, in terms of the scoring and just feeling that sense of comfort that um, you're actively now working on cybersecurity as part of your culture getting access to your boot camps, getting access to training to support the team and, you know, get the human side of cybersecurity working as well. I think it's a really, a really innovative and solid model that you've developed there, Susie, and that's which is why I wanted to get you on and have a chat about it because I do think that cybersecurity is, under, is, is kind of, you know, out of sight, out of mind. But when we think about designing digital healthcare experiences, we think about the way that digital health interventions and digital health therapeutics and concepts like secure messaging and a whole bunch of stuff that is evolving within the health tech sector it goes towards providing a quality framework, a quality system for healthcare to be able to uh, support Australians with their healthcare services. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's a great model, Susie, and I, I, I really thank you for coming along and having a chat and taking some time out of your day to actually um, help us understand how we can get access to that in a uh, software as a service type model. Thanks, Susie. Thank you. Thanks for listening. 
This podcast is produced in collaboration with Health Tech X, where we are working toward a world of integrated digital health empowerment for all people. If you'd like more info on how to get involved, head over to the website, healthtechx.com.au. Or if you have any feedback about the show, you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, Instagram, or email by following the links in this episode's show notes. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to Reimagining Healthcare in your podcast app. And if you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos, and I'll speak to you in our next episode.